Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, so jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we take another look at the cattle industry's 75% plan. That was hatched back last summer to help improve price transparency and price discovery in the fed cattle market. It looks like the early results of the plan are very promising. We'll take a look at that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We're almost to the start of meeting season in the Texas High Plains, and a top official from the Trump administration will be among the presenters producers will have the opportunity to hear. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. As winter wheat planting continues, farmers are also experiencing even higher input costs. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Teaching children the importance of agriculture has been taking place this fall in the Coastal Bend area. This is Harvey Buring reporting from Corpus Christi. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cattle industry's 75% plan was hatched last year as an effort to increase the number of fed cattle traded on the cash market. And so far, the plan appears to be working, according to Jerry Bone, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. There's no doubt that we've had an increase in negotiated trade, and that's the positive thing that's come out of it. And that's particularly true here in the southern plains of Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Kansas. Bone says the plan has taken some time to get off the ground, but the packers are slowly getting on board. That's correct. Uh, It it took us quite a while to get coordinated with the four major packers to provide the information for us. Uh, uh, We had uh, Dr. Kuntz at Colorado State signed a non-disclosure agreement with all four of the major packers to collect their data so that there'd be confidentiality. Some have participated better than others, let's, let's put it that way. And at this point in the process, Bone says he's pleased with the progress that has been made. I think you have to be because, you know, particularly here in the Texas Panhandle, uh, the volume of negotiated trade had almost gone to zero. And these producers have really stepped up in the last uh, several months to increase the amount of negotiated trade. And I think they all recognize that there is a need to have a certain level of negotiated trade. We also want to avoid having some kind of a government mandate. There are some efforts in Washington to mandate a minimum percentage of cattle sold on the cash market. County FSA elections are now underway here in Texas. 
The U.S. Department of Agriculture is asking Texas farmers, ranchers, and landowners to help decide who will make important decisions about how federal farm programs are administered in their communities. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm Service Agency has already begun mailing out ballots for FSA county and urban county committee elections to all eligible agricultural producers and private landowners. Each county committee has from 3 to 11 elected members who serve three-year terms of office. These important county committees help FSA determine how federal dollars can best be utilized in their county. To be eligible to vote in the county committee election, producers must have participated or cooperated in an FSA program. If you receive a ballot, the deadline to return it to the Farm Service Agency office is Monday, December 6th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol celebrated its one-year anniversary. In its first year, the Trust Protocol welcomed more than 465 brand, retailer, mill, and manufacturer members and secured more than 950,000 bales of cotton into the system. Protocol President Dr. Gary Adams says the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol was created to set a new standard in more sustainable cotton, and he's proud of the significant achievements made in the program's first year. The calendar is filling up with a lot of programs for farmers and ranchers in the months ahead. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. We're going to begin this report with a special announcement out of Canadian, where AgriLife Extension agent Andy Holloway says former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has been added to the list of speakers for the annual Hemp Hill County Beef Conference coming up on April 26th and 27th. Secretary Pompeo is an outstanding gentleman, and he is certainly an expert on geopolitical things that apply to agriculture and most specifically to beef cattle agriculture. So an exciting note there about the Hemp Hill County Beef Conference, which annually brings hundreds of people from all over the country to Canadian. But again, that's not until April. There's a lot happening before that, including the educational programs Texas A&M AgriLife will be offering at the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show three weeks from now. We're about to experience the launch of a jam-packed AgriLife program calendar. Starting with the farm show, and we've scheduled through the first six months of the year, you know, we're looking at uh, probably 50 or 60 programs throughout the region. That's Danny Nusser, regional program leader for AgriLife, who says the December lineup will also include the Armstrong County Fall Producers Meeting December 14th in Claude. And then in January, the AgriLife schedule really takes off and, as Nusser said, continues to provide producers educational opportunities throughout the first six months of the year. We'll bring you more details closer to the actual time of the events, but since we've mentioned January, let's not forget that month will also feature several educational events hosted by Pioneer. Like I say, more information to come, so stay tuned. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Grain demand is up and that's boosting prices, but Tom Nicoletti tells us input costs are up as well. As winter wheat planting continues on the high and low plains of Texas, subsoil moisture is low and late fall rains would be welcomed by farmers. Meanwhile, producers are pleased that commodity markets are up for wheat, but input expenses are also higher. David Graff is the agriculture extension agent for Wichita County on the Rolling Plains. 
David, let's talk about the demand for grain. Uh, that's on the increase, isn't it? Yes, sir. Markets have really been a lot stronger even last harvest. We were fortunate for the prices to gone up. And uh, at this time, it looks like we're going to have a good price continue for some time. So it's a huge help to our producers. It's been pretty tough for quite some time on having a reasonable market price. Yes, certainly. Commodity prices uh, for producers uh, per bushel for wheat and other low crops, for that matter, uh, have definitely been on the increase, and that's good for your farmers in the region. But unfortunately, input costs are much higher at this time. That's been a real... uh Real disappointment, but uh, our veteran guys been through this before, you know, and so something they just we just have to try and deal with. But it really is cutting into our profit when that's happening to us. Another real concern for us is just being able to get parts and things. I guess with the COVID nineteen has really impacted, you know, what our supplies and that that we're able to do. Fertilizer has been a real issue, and just the cost of fertilizer, input cost, and it's uh, what's well, very very important that we be able to, to put out fertilizer, but this has really put a strain on us financially. That is David Graff. He is Agricultural Extension Agent for the Texas AgriLife Extension Service in Wichita County. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Teaching children the importance of agriculture has been a focus this fall in the coastal bend of Texas. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, the local farm bureaus in the Coastal Bend counties, in conjunction with their county AgriLife Extension offices and some other contributors, have been busy this fall doing ag awareness type events for school children. Here in Nueces County, a big event was just completed at the fairgrounds that had a program offered for young people in the fourth grade and third grades in local elementary schools that reached about a thousand young people. The Farm Bureau brought their mobile learning barn. Southwest Dairies had a milking cow exhibit with a mobile dairy barn and other activities from soil and water conservation and agri-life extension made for a full day's event for third grade students and in adjacent counties San Patricia County having a similar event over in the Sinton area, as well as the folks up in Live Oak County taking the mobile learning born to the schools to educate those young people about farmers and ranchers, the work they do each day for the benefit of all Americans and even exporting food across the seas to our foreign customers. Big event that help young people gain a better understanding of the importance of agriculture. And meanwhile, we could use some more moisture here in the coastal bend. Also, ginning activities continue on with about 45 of the 52 gins still submitting bale samples to the Corpus Christi Classing Office. They've gone beyond the million two hundred thousand mark and are expecting close to a million seven hundred thousand at the completion of this season. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area for Texas Ag Today. Texas is one step closer to having another new state park. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And how can you tell when your horse is exhausted? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd answers that question coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. So how can you tell when your horse is exhausted? Dr. Bob Judd says there are some signs to look for. Horses with exhaustion may display a decrease in energy, appetite, appear stiff and weak. Dr. Rebecca Ruby from the University of Kentucky indicates in Equine Quarterly that serious cases can develop heart problems, shock, muscle damage, colic, and diarrhea. Horses that are underconditioned and are performing in endurance events commonly become exhausted, as do those working in hot and humid environments. If exercise is not halted, life-threatening complications can occur. It is important that the animal has been in training and is in good athletic shape to participate in the endurance rides or three-day events. Heat is one factor that can contribute to exhaustion, and a large amount of heat is produced with exercise, and the heat must be removed by sweating and air movement. If the heat is not removed, the horse's temperature increases. And removal of heat is very difficult in high heat and high humidity conditions, or when the animal is dehydrated. Electrolytes are also lost in sweat. If electrolytes are not replaced, a shift in the pH of the blood can occur. Horses with exhaustion have an increased heart rate, temperature, and respiratory rate. They are depressed, unwilling to eat or drink, have a stiff gait, and can develop laminitis. Treatment includes stopping exercise and initiating cooling with fans and cold water. In many cases, intravenous fluids are needed, but fluids given with a stomach tube can be effective in less severe cases. It usually requires at least two weeks for horses to get acclimated to a new environment. So make sure your horse is acclimated to the environment and the type work planned prior to exercise. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas is now one step closer to having a new state park. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department recently announced the acquisition of the remaining 1,360 acres of Powderhorn Ranch in Calhoun County. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation donated nearly 15,000 acres of the ranch to the department in 2018 for the Powderhorn Wildlife Management Area. The ranch, which is one of the largest remaining tracts of unspoiled coastal prairies in Texas, was purchased thanks to a coalition of conservation partners and donors led by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. 
Dan Friedkin, Chairman Emeritus of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission, said the project demonstrates how Texas community of conservationists can work hand-in-hand with the state to preserve an extraordinary piece of our natural heritage for generations to come. The department says the purchase of Powderhorn ensures the conservation of irreplaceable wildlife habitat and brings an exciting new recreational opportunity to Texas as part of the ranch will one day become a Texas state park. The ranch includes coastal land with forests of coastal live oak and intact wetlands, salt marshes, and more than 11 miles of tidal bayfront on the Matagorda Bay. It's home to hundreds of species of birds and animals, including the endangered whooping crane. TPWD's Executive Director Carter Smith says the investment in the property forever protects a remarkable diversity of species and habitat, and it connects a patchwork of lands from the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge to Mad Island Wildlife Management Area and the recently expanded Matagorda Peninsula Coastal Management Area. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market to kick off the week on Monday, a mixed trade in the cotton market as well. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a mixed trade in the cattle market to kick off the week on Monday. We had a mixed close in both live and feeder cattle futures. We'll start with the live cattle market where December was up 30 cents, 132.10. February unchanged, 137.12. The April up 40 at 140.40. Same thing in the feeder market. Mixed close with November feeders down 30 cents, 158.57. January up 70, 160.30. The March up 62 cents at 161.40. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. However, there's a lot of optimism in the market this week. Last week, we bumped prices up anywhere from two to five dollars, traded fed cattle as high as 130 on a live basis. Feedlots, of course, hoping to get more money this week. The show lists appear to be mixed, higher in Nebraska and Colorado, somewhat higher here in Texas, but lower in Kansas. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday, choice down 65 cents at 288.89, select up 95 at 268.47. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Today we're going to swing our lasso toward, uh, oh, let's go to Lockhart. Talk to Maddie Bexley from Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how was the Thursday sale? 
pretty similar to last week. Uh, we had two, two to three inches of rain on Wednesday, so it made it kind of tough to get cattle in. But uh, we ended up with 592 head with 178 cows and 11 bulls, 93 sellers, and 60 buyers. Let's walk the pens, please. On the soccer cows, we had a couple of real nice pairs this week. Uh, they brought from 1350 to 1475. The good bred cows from 9 to 1275. The mediocre Malaysian shortbreads from 550 to 875. The planter in from three fifty to five and a quarter. Uh, pack of cows and bulls would have been a couple dollars better than last week. Uh, the good high yielding cows from sixty to seventy six. The medium yielding from forty six to fifty nine. The low yielding and lightweight cows from eighteen to forty five. The good high yielding packer bulls from eighty seven to ninety three. Low and medium yielding bulls from sixty three to eighty six. And the good quality calves in Ireland sold mostly three to four higher on a good active market. Um, other cattle would have been about study with a week ago. So, on all, it's a good day. Do you know of anything for next week, Madison? Well, we've had a couple deals from the last few weeks we've been trying to get in, so hopefully if the weather cooperates, we can get those in this week. Tell everybody how to contact you. You can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. In Texas Farming and Ranching Neighbors, we appreciate you most of all for listening to Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host, and I like this so much, I'll host you again tomorrow. See you then. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close slightly lower on Monday. December hogs down 17 cents at 76.37. The February down 10, 79.37. Class 3 milk was higher. November milk up 25 cents, 18.06 a hundredweight. December milk up 14 at 17.73. The cotton market closed narrowly mixed. Traders positioning themselves ahead of Tuesday morning's USDA supply and demand report. We close with December cotton down 32 points, 116.55. The March up 5 at 113.29. The corn market closed slightly lower heading into the USDA report. We're expecting a small reduction in the estimate of U.S. ending corn stocks to about 1.482 billion bushels. We close with the nearby December corn down one and a half, 551 and a half. March corn down one and a quarter, 561 a bushel. Kansas City and Chicago wheat both finishing slightly higher. Traders not expecting any changes in the wheat numbers in the report Tuesday morning. July Kansas City wheat up two cents, seven seventy six a bushel. July Chicago wheat up two and a half at seven seventy six and a quarter. In the energy markets Monday, December natural gas was down eight cents, five forty two. December crude oil up eighty seven at eighty two fourteen a barrel. The financial market slightly higher on Monday afternoon. The Dow up 89 points, 36,417. The Nasdaq up 28 at 16,000 even. The S&P up 5 at 4,702. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at TexasFarmBureau.org or TFBRadio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.